The thing is, is, hey, I think we are in a spiritual famine in our world. Um, God is absent from our homes or schools. Um, and by the way, uh, I, I will say this, before we talk about the school and the church, we need to talk about your living room. Um, you know, is God present there? Are, are we praying with our kids? Or are we putting them out there? You know, I, I have found this to be truth. We bring, like these people, we will bring a complaint against what God is not doing and never once analyze the fact that we're not doing it for him. And, and, and we're just like, well, they won't let God in the school. Well, I'll tell you this right now. They do have FCA. They are looking for people that'll come and teach devotions. Let's get in. You know, you do have LOC. Let's go walk. Let's do these things. God is available. We just need mm, people to understand that the harvest is plenteous and the labors are few. God is not saying that there's a drought of unbelievers. God is saying there are people everywhere that need your generosity today. They need you to care about their needs of their soul. All right, now look at this. It says, hey, we have such large families. We need food to survive. In verse number three, others said, we have mortgaged our fields and vineyards and our homes to get food. Dear end, here's the word, famine. And others said, we have had to borrow on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family of those who are wealthy and our children are just like theirs. Yet we have to sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We have already sold some of our daughters and we are helpless to do anything about it for our fields and our vineyards are already mortgaged to others. Man, that's a hard place to be, right? I mean, can you understand this? And I, I look at this and yes, we are not living in a time where you're literally having to sell your children into slavery. But how many of us are sacrificing our children to the ideas of the world to try to maintain cool and popular? And how many of us are walking around in this? And I'm, I'm not saying you, I'm saying us. What are the things that we need to do to make sure that we're not surrendering our homes and our belief systems to the world just so that we can be surviving here? I, I, I don't know this, but I, I, I see this all around us. I, I believe the attack against the church is growing stronger and stronger by the day. I, I, I believe that, that we are going to see in our lifetime it get closer and closer to the return of Christ. If we don't get to see it actually happen where Jesus returns, but in order for that to happen, the church is going to go through persecution. There's no way around it. It's coming. I mean, I, I, I don't know. In my notes, can I just tell you what I wrote in my Bible right here? I want you to do it. Ready? Not for sale. Not for sale. Like, hey, I don't care where we're at. Not for sale. We're not going to sacrifice the dignity and integrity of our homes just to try to have a resource of the world. Not for sale. But do you see a struggle here? I mean, their land's mortgaged, their, their homes are mortgaged, they're giving up their children, they're starving, and, 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 and they're sitting there saying, hey, the problem is not, listen to me, the problem is not that the world has more. Their problem, their complaint, their request is valid. They're saying there's people that are us, Jews, that could help that are not. We're in a struggling position, and they don't even care. I'm going to say this right now. In this room are people who are emotionally, mentally, and physically drained. And they're tired. And they're giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. I'll be honest with you. A lot of times to heal our wounds, we try to outgive our wound. We try to outgive the absence in our lives. If you've got a hurt that somebody's caused in your life, if you're not careful, you'll let service become an idol to try to heal your life. And you'll believe by helping others that you're helping yourself. But what happens is you're pouring out and nothing's getting poured in. And you're sitting here and you're probably sitting saying, I'm empty and somebody else has and I don't have anything. 
There's another side of it too, that if you're here today and you've made a, a major mistake in your life, there's a good chance that you're trying to outdo your mistake by making it right through your actions. I'm gonna tell you this, please, the most healing thing you can hear is do not try to heal your mistakes through what you do. Take your mistakes to the cross of Jesus Christ and know that he healed them there. And don't do what you do trying to make right what you've done. Let God make right what you've done so that you can do what you do because of what Jesus has made you. Otherwise, you're gonna burn out. Anybody else ever burned out in a job or burned out in there? Anybody else ever found a burnout in your home to where you're just like, I don't want a parent today. I don't want a husband today. I don't want a wife today. Come on now, you're there, right? Like, hey, you get to the yard looking around like, yeah, you, you, yeah, me too. Some of you looked at your wife like, are you in? You know, like, are, are we good, right? But the thing is, is like, hey, we get there. And, and the, the problem is this. I think in, in our world, we're taught to, you know, um, to be everything we want to be um, without ever asking God, what do you need me to be? You know, matter of fact, Burger King has changed its slogan to what? Two words. You rule. I know this because I've been getting milkshakes on Tuesdays on the way home from homeschool with my daughter. And, and, and um, Garrett, you didn't hear that. And, and I, uh, I pull in there and after they say, hey, this is such and such, uh, you know, what would you like to order? You rule. I'm like, how crafty is that? I mean, now I'm not saying they're sacrilegious, but I mean, there's a concept Satan uses there. Like, oh, you want to get involved in that sexual sin? You rule. Oh, hey, you want to you tell somebody off today? You rule. You know, and that mindset of it's you, it's you, it's you is really a messed up mindset. And while we may be succeeding in areas of our life, there's people around us that are drying up. And I'm telling you this right now, and I'm calling you to action. We need a group of people that look around to see the needs of others because while you may be living large, somebody you love may be dying. They may be drying up. Now, I'm not sitting here, and I know when we talk about generosity, what's the first thing you think about? Let's be honest. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Money. But can I tell you, generosity is not all about your money. I mean, sometimes your resource isn't in the bank. Anybody say amen to that? Sometimes your resource is in the cupboard, the cabinet, the refrigerator. You got more food than you can eat. Why not have somebody come over before you just start throwing food in the garbage because it outdated, it outlasted? Why not cook a meal, have a barbecue, and get some families who never get to get out of the house and say, come over, let's throw a Frisbee, let's do these things, let's get together, let's smell the aroma of somebody firing up a grill. I've got an abundance, let me be generous so that your family can have an occasion where they can get out of their walls. You know, we, we think that we have to do extravagant to make a difference. But little things go a long way. All it takes is a woohoo from Sue, and Garrett will wear collared shirts the rest of his life. <laughs> Am I right? Now, if you're listening online, you missed the announcements. It's not going to make sense, but it doesn't take much, does it? It just takes a little bit of somebody giving of themselves. A phone call to say, hey, I haven't seen you in a few weeks, and I miss you. To go up to a guy that didn't go to a men's conference, instead of saying you should have been there, say it wasn't the same without you. That's a totally different thing. tone. To, to, to be the wife that says, I know you're working hard. A husband that says, I know you're trying and I see your progress, instead of pointing out just how far they still need to go. Generosity means a little less of me so that there can be a little more of you. It also goes parallel with humility, right? The Bible says, don't just think of your other own interests, think of the interest of others too. 
get involved in the things that they like to do. What matters to you should matter to me. What matters to them should matter to you. And if it doesn't matter, if you do not care, then I promise you this, write it down. They will not care about anything you have to say. And I think there's a lot of people trying to win people to Jesus and bring them to heaven without showing Jesus first. And if you, I've always preached this, if you study the method of Christ, when he went into an area, he met the needs first before he told them their need of a God. He would say, hey, don't get in the way of the kids, let them come. Hey, let's heal the sick. Let's raise the dead. Let's care. Hey, let's, let's do these things. Let's minister. He ministered to needs. He cared before he shared, and they cared when he shared because they knew who he was. And I think it's like this. How many of you have ever heard this? Like, hey, come to church with me, and somebody will be like, I don't go to church anymore. How many of you have heard that? And then they give you a reason why. What is the number one reason why? Somebody hurt them. I got hurt in church. Then you got to be generous. Because then you, you want to be like, get over yourself. You know, you're all selfish. And that's not the message. The message is, hey, I'm sorry. I've been hurt in church too. I've probably caused some hurt in church. And that's why I so desperately need Jesus. And I just, I don't go to church so that I can be or not be. I go to church because God is there. And I know that if I get consistent in my walk with him, I'll change. So why don't we pray that the, the people that hurt you hearts change. As the, Are they still in church? Awesome. If they're not, let's invite them. Why don't you bring them to church with you? You say, well, I don't like that. Then you can break out Romans 12, 20, where you're just like, hey, if your enemy needs something, you need to cook them dinner. We're going to get there in a second, by the way. The thing is, is I look at this, I wrote down some key words, famine, mortgage, slavery. You know what I thought? Wow, this is the cycle of addiction. I mean, I sat there and I talked to myself and I wept over those first five verses because I was like, this is, this is how most people wind up in addiction. The family doesn't have much. They don't have anything. And so what do they do? They start buy here, pay here. They start grabbing money, stealing if they have to. Anything they can do to get ahead, it creates a lack. And you know what Satan likes to do when there's a lack in you? He likes to supplement it with something that'll destroy you. In other words, by the, by the time you get to a place where you are in a depressed state, feeling like you're worthless and feeling like you're nothing and you're looking around and everybody else has and you don't have, you are primed for him to do what he loves to do best, go in for the kill. And so he'll bring something into your life to be totally destructive at that. You look at it, when jobs leave a county or a city or a place, drugs come in. Do you remember when COVID took place? They literally stood on national media and said, if we do not get people back to work, suicide and addiction is gonna go through the roof. How many of you remember hearing that? You know what? We're actually living that right now. And you know what? Nobody wants to talk about it, but the reality is this. When you get trapped, boxed in, and feel like you have no hope or no chance of change, you will surrender yourself to something that will make you feel something, whether it's make you feel better or feel nothing. And I tell this all the time, and we're not getting into addiction today, but let's just chase the Holy Spirit here. Uh, I say this, most people that go to drugs are going for one or two things. They're going for a thrill because they like to buzz, they like the high, they like the feel. That is the minority of addicts today. 
Most people go because they like to numb. They don't wanna feel, they don't wanna think, they don't want the pain that they've lived in their life. How many of you are whether in addiction or recovering from addiction or been delivered from addiction will we'll prove this point. How many of you were numbers in your substance abuse, in your addiction, in your pornography, whatever it was? How many of you were numbers? Slip your hand in the air, hold it high. I did it because I did not, I had pain that I did not know how to deal with, right? I had things that I did not like. How many of you liked yourself better? You were funnier or more outgoing, right? Yeah, okay. How many of you are thrillers? You did it, not because of anything in your life. You just wanted to get high. Look around the room. One. You, you, you sit and you, you realize this, and we look at them, we're like, oh my goodness, look at that drug addict. We should look at them and say, there's a need because they, 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 they come from broken. My wife has said this many, many times, especially when I get frustrated with somebody, I'll go home and I'll talk to her about it. And, and I'll be like, hey, I'm frustrated. And she says, hey, that's just someone who's broken with probably father wounds. I love and hate that statement. I love it because it gets my mind back focused that I need to love them through this. I hate it because I can't be me. I can't do what I wanna do in those moments. I can't say what I wanna say, send the text I wanna say, because when we realize that people come from broken more than they come from healthy, then it gives us a compassion for them rather than a hatred towards them. And so here comes these people, imagine this, they're standing in front of Nehemiah and they're like, we sold our daughters. Can you imagine the heartbreak in Nehemiah? All right, now, can I tell you, Nehemiah had what most of us will have in this sermon. He had that moment where he was gonna decide, is he going to maintain who he is or let God speak to him? Is he gonna surrender or is he gonna stay the same? Now I'm telling you, when it comes to generosity, there's this mindset that says, I work hard for what I have. How many of you work hard for what you got? Raise your hand. It's true. Come on now. Okay, half of you have easy jobs. Please tell me what you do because I'm sick and tired of working hard. All right, like, come on, share, hire me. Anybody else? How many of you literally work hard for what you have? Slip your hand up in the air. Okay, there we go. That's a little bit better. All right, now listen, that's true. And you might say, well, I work hard, they need to work too. That's why the Bible says, and I'm gonna give you a verse, you're exactly right. First Thessalonians 5.14 says, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are being lazy. So you don't get to decide what lazy is because you might not know the circumstances. We have people in our church that don't have legs that, that come in here walking on prosthetics that, that actually go to work, but they can't work full time and they can't go all the time because they can't stand long periods of time. And, and, and if you were to go to somebody and say, stop being lazy, that's, that's, that's different. Get, get off your soapbox. Matter of fact, being lazy is not something you can judge just by looking at somebody one time and knowing they're, no, you gotta actually know the circumstances behind it. How do we know that? I'm gonna give you three things to know whether or not somebody's being lazy. Pray and ask God to give you wisdom. That's number two. That's what James says if I lack wisdom, pray about it. Ask God, reveal to me, right? Spend time with him. By the way, if you've got a conviction to help, help until the Holy Spirit says stop. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. There's times, and Jordan can attest to this, we will help not knowing the circumstance, but if we find out that the circumstance is not good. In other words, that they're using people, they're doing this to a lot of people, that they're refusing to go to work, they're refusing to do this, and that they're able. Once we find that out, then we generously start pulling back. But the thing is, is we don't always know that right off the path. But if God says give, it doesn't matter to who you do. Does that make sense? All right, and God will reveal it. So you pray and you ask God for wisdom, and then you watch the fruit. That's what I taught the teenagers on Wednesday night. Watch the fruit. The lifestyle will, it will present itself, all right? Now, uh, any teenager, I pray to God somebody remembers, 
What does it take to know somebody's fruit? Anybody remember? Time. It takes time. You will not know it right off the bat. And so I got to give it time. I, you know what that means? Love is, what's the very first word? Patient. I got to wait. I got to be patient. So there's ways that God will give you to not misuse your generosity. Um, God's not going to call you to do the work that somebody else has been called to do while they sit on the sideline and take all the credit. And so as you give and you go, if you see that's the place and it's killing your family and taken from you, then you pray about it and you respectfully, you start backing away. All right. Now we could go into this lesson all day long. And I know Sunday mornings, you don't come for lesson as you do preaching, but sometimes I think we need to dial back and just teach. I think a lot of times we go blindly into situations and then blame God for the results. And I'm telling you right now, you need to go through the word. You need to do the things that God has told you to do. God will reveal the fruit of the person. And if the fruit is bad, then you know you're misusing your generosity. Do you got it? All right, let's move forward. But when we look at this, I understand that like where there's poverty, there's addiction. Say that with me. Where there's poverty, there's addiction. Where there's poverty, there's orphans. All right, are you with me on that? Say it with me. Where there's poverty, there's orphans. There's addiction, there's orphans. Where there's poverty, there's divorce. All right, say that one with me. Where there's poverty, there's divorce. Now, it's the, one of the top three causes of divorce every single year. Um, and, and normally it ranks higher than unfaithfulness. It's financial difficulty. It, it, will, it will ruin a family very quick. How many of you have ever been stressed out about finances and it resulted in an argument in the home? Yes. All right, so you're saying, why are you bringing all this up? Because I think we need to realize that if somebody is struggling, it's not just their struggle we need to see. It's the future of their children. It's the future of themselves. Where there's poverty, there's suicide. Where there's poverty, there's divorce. Where there's poverty, there's orphans. Where there's poverty, there's addiction. Where there's poverty, there should be the church. There should be people stepping in and saying, hey, we're not going to surrender your sons and daughters. We're not going to say the end to your marriage. We're not going to give up on you. So from the abundance of what resource we're blessed with, we will give to you. Whether it's a meal, finances, here's a good one, time. One of the things we talked about, even this Friday night, we were talking about Garrett and Sue. And, and at one point we had them over to our house and Garrett told us we just played games. And he's like, you know, since we've lived here, we've not done that. And how long have y'all lived here? Eight years. And, and, and it really pierced our heart to the point we were sitting down the other day saying, a couple times a month, we just need to open our house and have different groups come in and just play games and, and just have fun. And I don't know about you, but if, it, it, it should be true in your life and my life too, because it's in the word of God. Laughter does the heart good like a medicine. And sometimes just getting around people that make you laugh can, can bring a lot of joy to your marriage can renew your strength as a parent, can make you a better servant. But I think we're in a generation that we're always looking at our needs. Now, I want you to get this. To see the needs of others doesn't mean you ignore the needs of your own life. All right? And so sometimes we, we, we got this, and I want you to get this very clearly, that you cannot help somebody in the place of your drought. So if I'm struggling in this area of my life, I don't need to be going and trying to help somebody in that area of my life. I will get bitter at the result. I will get angry at the result and I will only make my problem worse. Can you, can you put this in your notes? Please write this, get this sentence out there. God is a powerful enough and rich enough God that he doesn't have to rob you to pay somebody else. 
All right, God is powerful enough. He's present enough. He's, he's, he's wealthy enough that he's not gonna say, you're gonna go without power so that they can have it. That's just not who God is. Matter of fact, if you do that, that's poor stewardship. All right, to take of yours and to give to somebody else that, that, that you need yourself, that is poor stewardship. If you got that one, say got it. Because I think a lot of times in churches, we're like, give, 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 give. And families are falling flat on their face, waiting on the blessing of God because they're doing things that God has not ushered them to do. And the Bible says that when we're giving, we should be cheerful about the giving because God loves a cheerful giver. And if you're in a season where, whether it's your time, energy, effort, resource that you're giving and you're bitter about it, stop it. You're not helping anybody. You're actually making in the problem worse. Does that make sense? All right, now, how many of you are still with me because I know we're talking giving? Step your hand up in the air. I'm just gonna look around. All right, everybody else, feel free to take a nap or, you know, get to the restaurant earlier. The thing is, is in order to see the needs of others, I gotta understand that sometimes God's gonna call me to the need in somebody else's life while I still have a struggle in mine. All right, but he's not gonna rob my struggle to help theirs. I want you to write this in your notes too. You can lead while broken. Now that's an anti-religion statement because religious says, if you've got a weakness in your life, you should not be leading. There's certain things that if they're present in your life, yes, you need to step away and get it fixed. If you've got moral failure going on, you got some things doing, I've lived this in my life, you've got to step away. But what I'm saying is you do not have to be perfect to lead, otherwise there'd be no leaders. You, you can be, hey, you can be struggling in your marriage, but you still need to be working on that as you're helping. Maybe you're not the marriage counselor, you're in marriage counseling, but you can work on this while helping somebody else in their addictions. All right, you can do this, you can teach the children while still learning how to parent at home. But if you're abusive in the home, stay out of the classroom. Does that make sense? And, 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 and we mean it. It's not going to be good for anybody. If you, if you got irritability issues, it might not be the time to be in children's ministry. Now, I don't, I don't mean that bad, but like kids are needy. Am I right? And a beautiful need. They're learning. That's actually what's happening is they're curious. We call it needy. You know, my daughter is starting to pick up on things and I'm just like, ooh, got to watch what we say. You know, like we took her to the circus yesterday, which resulted in quite a few questions, right? Like quite a few excitements, quite a few dancing moments. And, and like she, she'll, she's very intuitive. And, and, and so what I realized is like, hey, if I cannot father her, I shouldn't be in children's ministry. However, I could still volunteer on Celebrate Recovery Night. And I actually do suggest that because while you're volunteering, you still get fed. Am I right? I can't tell you how many times I'm preaching and I almost get to a point where I have to stop because the Holy Spirit will convict me so bad right in the center of a message. Any other teachers in the room ever experienced that? You're sitting there and you're like, hey, this is what God wants you to do. And it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Best thing you can do in that moment is be transparent and say, hey, look, y'all remember the Sunday about three months ago, I had to shut down the sermon at the end of the sermon because I had to go cut something. In my business, I was like, you gotta trust God to provide and you gotta do this and you gotta do this and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, stop it, stop it until you do it, don't say anything else. And literally had to look at the congregation and say, God has just convicted me to a point that I have to stop this sermon and literally, you can ask my wife, went home and took care of it. Why? Because as you lead, God reveals to you too. So don't wait to be generous or to serve until you're perfect because it'll never happen. 
Write it down in your notes. Some of you, if they don't write it, you're gonna want to. Grab the pad and write it for them. You will never be perfect. You will never be perfect. I, I really did not mean grab the pad and do that. That will really wind up in you needing to see Omar after church, all right? So, all right, understand this. Listen, I think in our lives, we've got to realize that I can help the needs of others, but I'm going to have needs in my own life. The need of my life should not keep me from being generous, but it also needs its attention too. Let's move at this. Uh, look at these verses, write them down. Romans 12, 20, I told you to get there. It says, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you heap burning coals of shame on their head. By the way, can I tell you this? That last sentence should not be your reason why. I've heard people say, I'm gonna burn them up. Be nice, no. What the Bible's saying is you just be godly and it'll bring conviction in their life. What's fire represent in the, in the word of God? The Holy Spirit, right? Fire and water. You see those things coming in God's presence, God's power. You see it invasion. You know, like Paul said, and I, I gave this to the guys on, on church center, fan the flames that God has put in your life. Fan those flames, keep them going. What that means is don't let the fire go out. You know what that does? You feed the Holy Spirit. You keep him healthy. Not that he needs you to, to be healthy, but it keeps your relationship with him healthy and things go. But understand this, the Bible's saying, hey, you should even be generous to your enemies. Matter of fact, he echoes it, Matthew 5, 42. He says, give to those who ask, but don't turn away from those who want to borrow. The verses prior to that are actually talking about helping someone that, that you might be in a disagreement with. But here's the thing, like we shouldn't turn away from somebody and saying, hey, I wanna give you something, you know, and, and, and can I tell you this? This is, this is gonna be a very quick point. It's okay to loan, it's not okay to co-sign, right? Are you with me? Now, you got kids and all that other stuff, and that's different. That's your family. But the Bible says don't sign for somebody else's loan. How many of you have done that and learned that was a mistake? Anybody done that? Yeah. I did that for a family member one time and ended up paying for something over the life of the loan that they got to use the entire time. All right, here's the thing. Lending, co-signing, totally different things. All right, does that make sense? Proverbs talks about the co-sign. Go check it out. It's in there. But here's the thing that we cannot do when we lend, and, and I want you to understand this, and this is a very weird concept, but in this passage, they were lending to each other, but they were charging each other incredible amounts of interest. Look at verse number six, if you would. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry, and after thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials, and I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem the Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. I, point number two of today, put it down. Don't take advantage of people. When you're helping other people, when you're being generous, don't take advantage of others. Can I, can I give you a literal instance of how this works? You say, well, I never give a loan that has interest, and maybe we're not talking in your language. Some of you do. We're talking to believers here, and we're talking prayed about, God-given instance of you need to help somebody. But I want you to understand this, and I want you to get this very clearly in your head. Holding something over somebody's head as if, oh, I did this for you, and I helped you, and I've been there for you. And how many times have I done that? How many of you've ever had somebody hold something over your head? How many of you love it? 
No. The thing is, is, hey, listen, if you're going to do it, do it to the Lord and not to them. If you're going to give it, give it as if you're never getting it back. Hey, hey, don't, don't just sit there and say, Sandy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my time, but you're going to hear about this for the rest of your life. Don't, don't be a narcissist when it comes to what you do for others. Can I tell you this? Two things that you should take to your grave. Write it down when it comes to other people. There's more, but I'm going to give you two. Number one, what you do for them. And number two, what they tell you about themselves. Don't, don't, don't be somebody that says, hey, you know what? You remember that time way back when? No, pretend as if it never even happened because you're doing it for God. Can I tell you what happens? Matter of fact, I'm gonna jump ahead. God's gonna take care of you. Look at Proverbs 19, 17. Write this in your notes. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Does it get any better than that? Say, God, this is yours. I'm going to give them my time. I'm going to go help a widow mow her yard and I'm not going to charge her for gas and I'm not going to charge her for labor. We got people that work at our church for very minimal salaries that never complain about what they get and they give way more. We got people volunteering at our church that get nothing and they spend 10 to 20 hours a week prepping your meals, getting you cooked, getting everything ready for you and they never expect nothing. Can I give something to those of you who are already practicing this heaven has noticed and God will make it right for you he will repay you the times that you see God tell you to test him are when it comes to your tithing your giving and the time that you see God promising a return is every time you're generous he says if you'll give I'll shake it I'll press it down I'll make sure it's running over I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out and this he says you lend to the poor I'll repay and you might not get the check back you might not get the money back but I'll tell you this even if you get nothing of this world that's temporary that won't last anything back when you get to heaven you'll get eternal rewards for what you do when it comes to your generosity for others. And I believe we need a generation that simply says, I am not going to take advantage of this situation. I'm not going to take advantage of you. I, I, I don't want to get into a financial coaching situation, but I'm telling you this right now. Stay away from your title loans. Stay away from your uh, check advance loans. Stay away from all these cash advance. And, and matter of fact, notice where they place their buildings. They do not place their buildings in rich neighborhoods. They place them in areas where people struggle. It is a predatory loan. What that means is it is not for your benefit, it is for theirs, and you're going to get in a hole you can't get out of. If you're in that situation, we have coaches that will come with you, help you get through that situation, and never go back. Don't let Satan beat you up right now if you're in there. You say, but I'm desperate and I need. Hey, can I tell you this? If we made our needs known to God and made our needs known to others more than just trying to solve our needs, we wouldn't dig the holes that we get into sometimes. I literally told our, our college-age dating people Wednesday night that were in our group, I simply said, hey, look, three things that I want you to know, uh, and I want you to get this, is, is, is just because you want to get out of your home doesn't mean you have to go get married. You know, like, just because you want to build credit doesn't mean you have to get a credit card. Are y'all with me? Come on. And if you have a baby and you're not married, doesn't mean you have to get married. Don't freak out on me. Your, your old school church told you that you got to do this to make it right. No, no, no. God said just get to him. God makes it right. Your actions don't make it right. God makes it right. And then you can make good choices from there. 
I literally spoke to one of our teens and I said, I see the run in you, I see the hurry in you, but I also see the me in you. And if somebody would have grabbed me at 17, 18 years of age and told me the financial decisions that I was about to make that would take me 10 to 15 years to dig out of, it would have changed my life. So I'm gonna tell you this right now, you stay as long as you can possibly stay, bear it as long as you can bear it. If you're not getting physically abused or beat down in this, suck it up, buttercup, cause Q-tips cost money, toilet paper costs money. Hey, all these things are gonna cost you that you never thought were gonna cost you. And if you're not careful, you'll have to swipe, 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 swipe. And how many of you got a credit card right now that it says, if you pay the minimum payment, it'll take you 33 years to pay off. Come on now, church. Yeah, you say, well, I wanna hear about the power of God. This is God's power. Be good stewards with what he's given you and watch the world not have control over you. Let's stop selling us back into slavery when God has set us free. And I'll be honest with you, it's an untold amount of churches and church people who right now, and I have debt, pray for me, I'll pray for you, that are drowning in debt. But if we could get past living outside of our means, what could we do for the homelessness, the poorness, the orphans, the widows? What ministries could happen today? We could shut the government down, shut welfare down, just with the generosity of a church if the world didn't own our finances today. 33 years on a credit card, that's longer than it takes you to pay for a house. And most times, it's the reason you get denied for the loan of the house. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to rewind my life about 20 years and hear this sermon. And it's only because I love you that we preach this. And it's in conviction because I've been staring at our finances all week. I'm a risk taker. Stay quiet. I'm a risk taker. But sometimes risk taking can be very good. But sometimes it can be very God. And you leave God out of the decision. And when you do that, you're almost always making a mistake. I just, I, I, I don't know. Anybody else in here say, I want my kids to have better financial habits than I have? Yeah. Guess what? Don't teach them, lead them. Lay out those bills. Help them, let them help write the checks. Let them see the grind and the struggle that dad's working two jobs for this reason. You know, hey, those of you that have lost your license and voting rights and gun carrying permits because of actions, let your children know. You know why? Because I don't know, I've been a slave and my kids, by the grace of God, will not be. I've been there, but by the grace of God, they won't go. And the only way that happens is for us to say, okay, God, teach me, reshape me when it comes to the way that I handle my finances. Don't take advantage of other people. Write this down. My time went very, very fast. Y'all got five in the tank? Three of you? All right. If not, we can to be continued and do this in 11. Uh, charging others, high interest, holding things over their head. Number three, I wrote down, don't be greedy, focused only on you. Look at what Nehemiah said in, in verse number nine. Then I press further. What you're doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? Look at this. Here it is. This is, this is where everything gets right. In verse number 10, I myself, Nehemiah, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending to the people money and grain 
but now let us stop this business of charging interest. You know what he's saying? I'm guilty. I've made this mistake. But now we stop. Now we change. Don't be greedy. Focused only on you. Look at verse number 11. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day and repay the interest that you charge them when you loan them that money, grain. Oh, listen to me. Here it is. New wine. You know, I, I, I don't know if you've ever done a study on the old wine and the new wine in the Bible, but there's a Bible study. I, can't, I don't have time to get into it. I want to chase this rabbit, but I really can't. Like my attention spans like, let's go, but my time says no, but new wine. God has made you a new wine. You're not the old. You're not bitter. You're not sour. You're new. You're fresh. The Bible says, don't put new wine into oil, old wineskins. Why? It'll, it'll make a mess. It'll blow it up. We're not talking back in the days when they had bottles. We're talking little leather and stuff. It'll overexpand. It'll mess it up. And I'm telling you this right now. He's saying, give them back what is theirs so that they can be who I've made them to be. And I think it's time that we do that. You know what generosity says? I want you to have the same opportunities of God, his grace, his mercy, and his salvation that I expect. I want you to experience him like I want to experience him. I'm not going to pray for God to do something in my life and not have the same prayer and desire for yours. I'm not going to take what God is doing in my life and not give to yours. By God's grace, if an offering plate passes through my hands, I'm going to put something in it by the grace of God, praising him for the little or the much he's given me. My tie check every week is not the same. It's based on the income and what's happened and bonuses and non-bonuses and different things that go on, whether it's real estate or church. It's not the same. Some days I wish it was higher. Some days it's like, that's what, what am I doing? You know, but the other times it's just like, God, I'm thankful that you've done something for me. Now, it's easy to say that when it's coming from the money, but let's talk about this. It's a lot harder to say that when it's coming from the grace God's given you. I've been given a lot, loved through a lot, cared for through a lot, given a lot of mercy when I was nasty and dirty and ugly. God picked me up, not from a, a, a nice house on the suburbs and of the cities with beautiful yards and picket fences. God had to go to the deepest bit to pull me out. I've made some mistakes and I've been some nasty, but God's grace has been good and his mercy has been good to me. And my generosity should not look at you and say, you deserve the worst. Mine should look at you and say, you deserve the same God I want. You deserve it. And so we cannot be greedy. Number four, we take care of others, verse 9 to 13. You know what he said? You give back. And number, number two, you know what you do? Verse 14 through 16, you take them in. For the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of the king's reign, uh, Artaxerxes, neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine besides 40 pieces of silver. Even their assistants took advantage of the people, but because I feared God, I did not act this way. I'd also devoted myself to working on the wall, refused to acquire any land, 
And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing. Even though I regularly, look at this, I fed 150 Jewish officials at my table besides all the visitors from other lands. The provisions I paid for each daily, including one ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every 10 days, when needed, a large supply of all kinds of wine. Yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. You know what he said? Give back to them, restore. And then he said, I take them in. I take them in. I bring them alongside of me. I open my doors. I open my home. I open my, my opportunities and I, I say, hey, come eat. 150 people being fed regularly. That's a hefty meal to cook. Now, we're not saying God's saying for you to do that. But those of you that show up on that third Saturday every month to help those KOZ boys, God bless you. Those of you that are going to show up for an LOC walk, or if you can't show up, you're going to write a check. God bless you. It's good to give. But there's also ministries that you need to Say, come on in, like fostering. Matter of fact, we're going to do something pretty radical. I'm in conversation with an organization that will allow us to bring God into it. Matter of fact, they, they shot some videos of 10 orphans right here on our property that they're going to release a video to us, and we'll show you shortly. But November is Adoption Awareness Month, and the very first Sunday of November, we're going to bring in a panel, and we're literally going to sit up here, and we're going to let some orphans tell us their stories about what God has done in their lives. Why? Because it's one thing to say, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for the orphanage. It's another thing to say, I'll bring you into a bedroom. You'll be sitting at a family dinner soon, sweet. You'll be loved. You'll be cared for. You'll be nurtured. There's something different about saying, come in. Hey, and I'm telling you right now, a church that is willing to give and to bring in is a church that will change lives for eternity. It's a community that will last. And then the very last verse, I like this, and we're out the door. I took seven. Remember, oh God, all that I have done for these people and bless me for it. There's gonna be times in life, church, you have a chance to get ahead by stepping on somebody, don't take it. There's gonna be times that you can charge a little bit more. Some of you are in service business and you know you pull up to certain houses. They, I, I know they do this. I've, I've been with them when they do this. You pull up to certain houses and the price is lower. You pull up to other houses and the price is higher. Be consistent no matter what kind of house you're at. Some people, when a person walks through, if they're wearing a certain clothes or driving a certain car, they'll charge them a little bit more than they'll charge the other people. Or they'll take advantage of somebody, like an 18% interest or a 20% interest on a car loan because you have bad credit. I'm telling you right now, even if you're the one that owns a buy here, pay here car lot, be the first buy here, pay here car lot that charges the interest rate that everybody else is charging. And you say, well, oh my goodness, that's, there's so much risk. I get this, but there's not a risk in being obedient to God. And there's not a risk of being godly in the way you do business and the way that you do things in your home. For those of you that, that have time, 
Those of you that are retired, stop leaving it up to the young parents in our church to try to teach these kids every Sunday. They're exhausted. You got time to study and prepare through a week. There's a lesson already given and developed. There's a main service that you just literally have to support with questions and small group. You need to volunteer your time. You know what it's like to be the mom of a toddler. How many toddler moms do we have in here? And you're tired and you're ready to go. How many toddler dads do we have in here that it makes you tired watching your wife do all the work? You got all these things going on, right? The thing is, is like, hey, what would it do to say, okay, God, what area of my life can I be generous and step out and watch that area of your life grow in blessing, but not just that. Watch your entire life start coming together in ways that you never deem. I'll tell you this right now. Every one of us want from the Lord, but your faith radically changes when you're ready to give to him, when you're generous. And what Jesus would say is this, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. You know what he called generosity? You visited me in the hospital. You visited me in jail. You gave me food when I was hungry. And the disciples looked at him and said, you were never in jail. When were you in the hospital? And he said, whatever you did to the least, you did to me. You want your attitude in life to change? Start practicing generosity. We want our nation to change. Start practicing generosity. Where would we be without a generous Savior? Stand with me. Grab somebody's hand. Let's close in a word of prayer.